It's the doc and the deacon, stethoscope and hope, talking everything from poop to the pope. One believing in spiritual miracles, the other believes in movement bowels that are irritable. Two dads, more like two brothers, and they breaking bread like the Last Supper. This show won't get negative feedback, that be like the deacon prescribing a Z-Pack. So don't get it twisted like a Philly pretzel, Foles already told y'all that Philly special. Take notes from the knowledge they're teaching, pay attention, it's the doc and the deacon speaking. Welcome to Doc and the Deacon, a podcast about two dads, one of us believing in the power of science, one of us believing in the power of Jesus, but both of us believing in the power of an ice-cold beer. You know, now that we have a podcast, everybody's trying to tell me, hey, you should do this, you should say this, why don't you have more of this? Oh and my gosh, it's like, it reminds me of like when you were first having like your first kid. Yeah. And everybody's like, oh, well, here's, here's like the 18 things you have to do and everywhere you went. And, you know, I'd be with my wife and people would try to touch her belly and it would make her uncomfortable. And they'd all tell you all the things you have to do to be like a good parent. I feel like that's changed over the last couple because now, like, I I never had a gender reveal party. Oh, we definitely had a gender reveal. my kids. Oh, we definitely had a gender reveal party. You know, but anyway, you know, yeah. So I feel like we've got our little baby podcast here and people are like, well, you need to hold it and burp it and sing to it, but not too much. Um, and only sing really good songs. And, you know, for me, they're like, maybe sing hymns like, How great thou art. How <laughs> great thou art. Do you really feel like people are telling you to sing more? Yes. Nobody's told me to sing more. <laughs> well, you know, I will tell you what people have told me, is that we don't have enough estrogen on the show. And then the other thing they go is, hey. I'm taking pills for that. <laughs> you don't need them. <laughs> you don't need them. Right? And the other thing is, you know, uh, do you worry you're going to break HIPAA? And I was like, have you not been listening to the show? I haven't discussed any particular patients. And no, I'm not breaking HIPAA until today. Today's the d- Well, no. We're not breaking HIPAA. Oh. But we're going to bring a patient on who's also a comedian, who's also a writer, who's also a woman. And we're going to talk about the uterus and the menstrual cycle and vaginal bleeding. Oh, that sounds amazing. Yep. Yep. So you asked and we brought it to you. So Wait, can we talk about the umbilical cord? <laughs> like what else can we talk about that sounds fun? I mean, we only have 20 to 30 minutes. I think the uterus will take up most of that time. So I would like to introduce uh, Katie Kohler, our first guest on Doc and the Deacon. Welcome, Katie. Welcome, Katie. Hi, thanks so much for having me, guys. Happy to be here. Now, do you have to be a certified expert on vaginal bleeding or does being a woman make you such? I think I bled so much all over Montgomery County that it will make me an expert on the subject. And it's a subject, believe me, not a lot of people want to talk about. It kind of has that stigma to it that it's like, ooh, that's gross. Like lantern about fly. It. Like lantern flies. Um, w- much worse than <laughs> lantern flies. This is... Um, way worse than lantern flies and um yes i'm giving dr drum full permission to talk about uh my medical record and history on this uh, and um uh, signing any hipaa oh yeah <laughs> paperwork oh, here yeah. P- people thought i was working hard today I was, I was just reading all the results of every scan of your uterus you've ever had when was the first time in life you were like i feel like i am not too pleased with what's going on with my uterus Uh, This isn't a good uterus story. (laughs) This isn't a a story where the uterus does well. Uh, When I was 13 years old and I was in a Catholic school and I had to go to the bathroom and my mother had given me a big red pouch with pads in it 
And that's how I had to go to the bathroom. And I had to go up to a nun and say, I had to go to the bathroom. And she's like, well, why do you got to bring that pouch? And I'm like, I have my period. So at that point, I kind of realized it was going to be a really big pain in the ass my entire life. Okay, so you had a nun talking you through one of your first menstrual cycles. Oh, yeah. Wow. Uh-huh. Wow, so you went to a real specialist. <laughs> Did she have a ruler? <laughs> no, but Dr. Drum does have a ruler with him, which he will be using later to yes. describe the size yes. of my fibroids. Uh, but I was diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome at about uh, 20 years old. I was having um, heavier periods than normal and the symptoms of PCOS, but it really wasn't until um, Christmas of 2018 that I really thought my period was trying to kill me. Wow. wow. So, so you had uh, been dealing with this. So as a young girl, did you have heavy periods? Um, not really. It was just, you know, it's not really something you talk about. You just suffer you know, you know, You know we're talking about it now. <laughs> and we're talking about it now, which I think is really good because everybody I've talked about this to, and I published a story about it, which is on uh, my Twitter page. Everybody's like, I know somebody that has gone through a really traumatic uh, period. I mean, period. I yeah, period. period. You, know, you know there's a book. Have you, you've probably read the book to your kids. You know that book that everybody poops? Yeah, of course. We should do one for girls. Everybody bleeds. Yeah, it's something right? that... Where I like we, it. Where we talk about... Copyright you know, that. <laughs> yeah, copyright everybody bleeds. Where we talk about... Because there's such a stigma. Especially, if, I know, even... You would say for young girls, but I know women, you know, around my age who are still concerned about when they have it, what to wear, when they have it, and all of these things. It sounds like yours was literally controlling your every movement. Was it? Was that's, it? that's not the reason you don't wear white after Labor Day. It has nothing to do with your cycle, correct? I guess. I don't know. I did that. So I actually remember there was a time I got a call that you had felt terrible when you went to the hospital. Yep. And basically they said your blood count was low. Mm-hmm. That was in January. I wasn't feeling well, and um, I was lightheaded, fatigued, and um, I'm lucky I have an amazing support system. My parents, my husband, and they were like, um, go to the hospital. So let's see what's happening. And I my, noticed you didn't say that your uterus is one of the things in your my, support no, system. No, my uterus really was trying to kill me, and uh, my blood count was a little bit low. Um, a couple weeks later, I felt much worse. I went back, and um, what happened was... What are you more scared of, your uterus or O.J. Simpson? My uterus. My uterus is, like, right up there. And, I mean, I remember being triaged in the emergency room. My blood pressure was... The top number was 72, which is, like, the lowest it's ever... I've ever seen it. And it was the first time the nurse ever said, like, do you look this pale? Are you supposed to look this pale? And I'm like, no. And my blood count was um, five. Yeah. It's supposed to be about 15 or 12 to 16, but five is bad. And they immediately started the process of giving me transfusions. And I was in the hospital for about five days at the end of January and received um, six blood transfusions. Okay. Okay. Do you remember them telling you why your uterus was bleeding so much? They thought it was fibroids. Yeah. Um, I still had yet to get a... Can we back this thing up? What is a fibroid? Fibroid, also known as lyomyomas, lyomyomas, um, are basically benign tissue that grows inside the uterus. Right? Only so, in the uterus? Can you get them in other parts of the body? 
Well, you can. Then it's called different terms, but it, okay. it's usually in the uterus. It can be inside the wall of the uterus. It can stick out into the um, into the uterine uh, into the inside of the uterus. It can be uh, by the cervix. Are these things big? Are we talking like are they like Skittles, M and M's, peanut M and M's? Oh. Or are they good? Are we talking like everlasting gobstoppers? Ooh, everlasting gobstopper. That's a good one. You know, I could never make those things last. I was always trying to bite it. Jawbreaker. Up, like, quickly. Lemon head. Okay. Well, uh, they're pretty big. S- nuts. They're pretty Golf big. Balls? Tennis balls? You know what? We're going to go right into a game. We're okay. going to a game earlier than normal. Earlier than normal. Yeah, we're okay. going to play the game called What Was Larger? Okay. The item I say or Katie's fibroid. Okay, perfect. Go right? Uh, a Katie's go- fibroid. <laughs> a gobstopper or Katie's fibroid? Uh, I'm going to go with Katie's fibroid. Ooh. The deacon for one. Ding, ding, ding. All right, so I'm winning so far. Next. How, do I get to wager on these? Is this on FanDuel? <laughs> All right, <go> ahead. <laughs> um, A quarter okay. or Katie's fibroid? Katie's fibroid. Oh, you got it. You got All right. it. You're, All right, I'm you starting it. to feel this game. Right uh, how about this? Katie's fibroid. Okay. Or a golf ball? Golf ball, definitely. But barely. A golf ball really? yeah, is 4.2 centimeters in diameter. Okay. And Katie's fibroid. So the diameter is the line all the way through the middle of the golf ball that gives us the circumference. Yeah. Okay. Katie's fibroid um, was actually a fundal uh, fibroid back in the wall of the uterus. And it showed some posterior shadowing. And it measured approximately 3.6 by 2.7 by 3.5 centimeters. It was predominantly myometrial, so it was within the wall of the uterus, but it significantly distorted the endometrial cavity. Also, so it distorted the cavity. Yeah, because it was so big, it was basically protruding. And that will cause what we call bulk-related pressure or pain. It can push on some other things. The three main issues that fibroids cause are heavy menses, prolonged bleeding, Menses is also known as bleeding. It is. Right, the menstrual cycle. Yeah. Okay. Um, And reproductive issues. She also had another fibroid that wasn't as big that gets no love. No love for the little guy. Yeah. All the menses in the place with style and grace. I love it. I love it. So the the forgot, let's let's hear it for Katie's other fibroid, which is only 2.2 by 1.9 by 2.0 centimeters. So it is the second fibroid she had, but maybe the first in her heart. (laughs) I don't think so. Okay. (laughs) As I was in uh, Bryn Mawr, um, the first night they started blood transfusions and you... Don't know how you're going to react to them. It was the first time I ever got one. Did anyone bless the blood? No one blessed the blood. And the- I didn't even know my blood type, which I know is probably a medical sin. I not can't to remember know. mine right now. If you ask me right now, I would have to guess. So they started the process and I was reacting fine to it. And they brought me upstairs to admit me. And um, later on that night, I got um, really, really cold and started shaking. And I mm. couldn't stop shaking for about an hour. And they had said that this is a symptom of anemia, which I also had because I was having heavy periods. And they wrapped me up really yeah, warm. Your, your blood count was five. And I couldn't stop, I couldn't stop shaking. Mm. And I remember thinking, I'm going to die here. And mm. the nurse came in and I remember... She was going to bring me up to the intensive care unit. And I'm so mad that I don't remember her name because I remember looking at her at that moment and saying, don't let me die here tonight. 
and she wasn't going to, she was like, I'm not going to let that happen. And, um, they brought me up to ICU and the next morning, um, I was eating Raisin Bran. Wow. <laughs> Got to get that fiber. And it's just the team at Bryn Mawr, how they handled everything. Cause to me, it was like, I'm like, I'm going to die. So was this the first time you were hospitalized yes. due to yes. your heavy menses in your, your uterus? Yeah. Like acting like a, yes, like he was part. Of I didn't really. There was a part of me that never believed that your period could put you in the hospital. Could that you could bleed so much that you could bleed so. But I had been bleeding so much that it really took like my mother and my husband, and then a text to Doctor Drum to be like well, something's wrong, and they were like, "We're taking the hospital right now," and um, because again, it's the whole stigma of. Uh, you don't think your period can kill you. Yeah. Yeah. You never read when you read the obituaries. <laughs> Katie lived a long <laughs> life. She's, uh, you know, survived by these people, died at the hands of her period. So did you see a gynecologist the next day? And what was their recommendations based yeah. on what was going on? My gynecologist, who I see through Salter Bryn Mawr, um, he recommended I go to the University of Penn and see... Uh, one of the most highly recommended gynecologists in the city for a second opinion. And he was like, I will treat you if you like, but I recommend all my patients do get a second opinion with this because that I'm 38 years old, getting a hysterectomy is a big step. So he recommended I go to this gynecologist at the university of Penn who would have, who would be able to perform it robotically with minimal cuts. Like while doing the robot? Yeah, he was going to do the robot and like, leave me with a scar like the size of my thumbnail. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so at this point, mm-hmm. do they give you... So there's a bunch of different treatments for fibroids, yep. right? You can do a uterine artery embolization where basically interventional radiology goes in and tries to burn out the connection uh, to the uterus to shrink it. Uh, one of the best treatments is uh, just going into menopause. It seems to shrink when your estrogen goes down, the average age of 51, but you are not ready for that at that time. And there are some different hormonal meds. Mm-hmm. The most common treatment of fibroids is nothing. Most people aren't going to die from their fibroids. Right. Uh, or what uh, us physicians refer to as watchful waiting, which means we're doing nothing but trying to phrase it in the chart like we had medical decision making. Mm-hmm. So until it becomes something that causes another symptom that requires treatment, it's just going to kind of sit there, right? Until it does something like what Katie's did. Yeah, it does something every 28 days. You know, form a gang and like try to take her out. How many gynecologists did you consult? Uh, How many people looked at your uterus? Really? I mean, you, um, the University of Penn gynecologist and my gynecologist through Bryn Mawr, and they all do the same thing on the, they all sketch out my uterus on a piece of paper and I wish I kept them so I could frame it. Did I draw your uterus? You did. Oh my gosh. You did. That could be worth money someday. And <laughs> so it's like a Honus Wagner. Yeah. <laughs> so after you got your second opinion, what happened? After I got my second opinion, I got a CAT scan. That's what it is of the uterus. You got a CAT scan and an ultrasound. I got a CAT scan and, and an ultrasound. Ultrasound is actually the best test to look, but they did a CAT scan because at the time when you got to the hospital, you were quite sick. And so they were looking to make sure there weren't other etiologies of blood loss. Okay. Like, like that she was bleeding somewhere else? Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, and yeah. I, we can't do uterus and rectum all in the same thing. I, your rectum was okay at that point, correct? Great. And rectum, <laughs> Great. That's rectum. <laughs> dang near killed him. Um, and at that point, um, they put me on a drug called Megastrol to slow the bleeding. Yeah. So, um, it's a gonadotropin receptor hormone agonist, which tries to decrease the production and shrink these. It's often done prior to hysterectomy to try to shrink down, but it does have significant risks, you know, increased risk of uh, venous thromboembolism and some other things. So it's used for a short period prior to surgery to try to shrink the fibroids and shrink the uterus to make it easier to have a robotic or a laparoscopic hysterectomy without having to open someone up and have a larger surgical procedure. Sounds like it would be part of like the Optimus clan and the Transformers, (laughs) right? Yeah. Yes, yes. Prime. Yeah. Uterus pride. So what happened was I did get a uterine artery embolization. I did go in for that procedure and it didn't work. Yep. And um usually when you go in How long after your initial hospital visit did that happen? I would say within uh thirty days. Okay. And um usually when you go in for a procedure, you have a lot of faith that it will work. Yeah. You do. Um, especially someone my age, you know, you go in and you have, you're just like, this is all going to work out. And it didn't. And I knew as soon as I saw my gynecologist after, I knew by looking at him, he was like, it didn't work. And you could explain why it didn't. Well, the thought is by decreasing the blood flow will decrease the size and shrink the overall uterus and the size of the fibroids. But there's still hormones coming there because the ovaries connected to the fallopian tubes are still working. And so unless there's enough destruction of the arteries that go to the uterus, they just don't shrink enough. And these things are still there and they can still continue to bleed. Sounds like we need to come up with a dance. Like as you were saying that, you know how we got the, no, the thigh bones No, it wasn't a uterine artery. Abla- it was an ablation. An ablation. The ablation didn't work. Yeah. They're, they're basically the same sort of thing. The ablation didn't work. But and, um, it sounds like if, if you want to know the parts of the uterus, you could do like, you know, the thigh bones connected to the hip bone, right? So the ovaries connected to the fallopian tube. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, right? yeah We yeah, could come yeah, up with yeah. a whole Well, if you're an egg, you just, you know, slide on down the fallopian tube into the uterus, but then you would hit your head on one of Katie's fibroids. Mm. That's what it would happen. And go into the concussion protocol? <laughs> you would. You, you would. You would just have to rest on the cervix for the rest of your days. <laughs> so I, was still, right, so then I was still getting heavy periods, and it really wasn't until April that um, it was on a, a Palm Sunday, actually, that I remember feeling terrible in the morning, and uh, my parents came over. and Were you at church at this point? I was not. I was on my... Sofa um, saying, I just need a half hour and I'm going to be fine. Because apparently the next half hour was totally going to cure me Yeah, yeah. from all this. And I remember they came over and they were like, you need to go to the hospital. You really, like, this is not good. Like, you have to go. And um, The second time. This, this is, is the this, second This is in April and on Palm Sunday. It, and I yeah. remember my husband was, he was like, you tell me what you want to do. And I'm like, just give me a half hour. I'm going to be all right. And I remember he was doing something that I absolutely hate. He was watching the Masters. Yeah. And I hate golf. I hate it so much. I think it's the most boring I'm sorry, sport you ever. Hate golf? I hate golf. Yeah. I hate the Masters. I that's hate the Philly, that's the Philly word for golf. golf. Yeah. And he loves to watch this really boring sport. And um, eventually 
I was like, you're right. I have to go to the hospital. Yeah. And um, we go into Did he stay and finish watching? No, he didn't. He, um, we go to Bryn Mawr and I went in and I'm like, I'm not leaving here with my uterus. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Doctors love it when patients make demands. (laughs) I was saying that as I'm going and my husband's like, please don't be that person. You're going to take this uterus. Making those, like, let them, you know, let them decide because I did have an appointment on um I think it was um Tuesday for uh the uterine artery embolization yeah and I was like I'm not leaving here with something they're taking something yeah and take this out tonight (laughs) I don't want to be here for the every time I I don't know the words went into the emergency room for this, the doctors had to do a pelvic exam. Do you yeah. want to explain what that is? And I was like, why do you have to do this? I don't know why you're subjecting yourself to this. You know what's in there. The pelvic exam is like the stirrup thing, yeah. your feet up. Yes. Don't go yeah. in there. Never go in there. Yeah. I, I was even telling them, please don't go in there. Were they playing the music from Stranger Things? <laughs> I, they should have been playing the theme song to Dexter's Kill Room because that's what it was like. Wow. It was... But they they did, and um, they were like, all right, you know, um, they understood that something had to be done. And I just remember being really cold again and just kind of feeling myself really fade. And um, I saw, and this was really funny, I saw a beam of light by the door, and I really thought for a second, I'm like, I died. And this man appeared in the door and I really thought he was like the OBGYN of heaven greeting me to heaven because he was one of the most attractive men I've ever seen in my life. And he was the... Even more attractive than the deacon? Than the die. (laughs) (laughs) And he was the OBGYN on the floor in the emergency room that day. And he was really gorgeous and... I looked at him and I really thought that he was a godlike figure. And he said to me, Katie, why do you still have your uterus? Yeah. That's what he said. It's time to say goodbye. And he basically started the process of, he knew it was time to say goodbye. And as he's there talking to me, the ESPN app went off on his phone. That da-na-na-na-na-na. Oh, yeah. And at that point, him and my husband, he looked at my husband and my husband's like, please tell me the tiger made That was the tiger. That was the yes, one the tiger That won, was right? tiger's yeah. comeback. And I was like, yeah, sure guys, go ahead. You could obviously go check out and see what Tiger Woods is doing because that was everybody's concern aside from my exploding uterus. Yeah. And, um, I couldn't, and you know, my husband's like, do you want to watch tiger? And I'm like, no, I don't want to watch tiger woods. So that was on Sunday. And on Wednesday morning, I got a hysterectomy. Yeah. And do you miss your uterus? Do I miss? No. It was the best thing that ever happened to me. I wish I got it done years ago. So, but without a uterus, there are things that can't happen, right? Obviously. And I've never wanted to have kids and people tell, have told me all my life, you'll change your mind. And then they'll be like, oh, when you get married, like your husband will want to have kids and you'll change your mind again. I'm just one of those people. I never wanted to have kids. Um, and when your uterus tries to kill you, yeah. you just don't want it anymore. Yeah. I'm glad you didn't die. Yeah. I'm glad your uterus is gone. It's, um, and I did offer, I did say to my gynecologist through Bryn Mawr, who ended up doing the surgery with his partner, 
I did say, you know, do you want to keep it for science? And he said, no, it wasn't that special. Wow. <laughs> Which is really offensive to say yeah. to a woman. Yeah. I mean, no. the fibroids, they were only like three centimeters. I see fibroids sometimes up to like 10, 15 centimeters. Wow. But tonight, of uteruses, yours was by far the most important. And I'm glad you did not uh, allow it to, you know, take your life. I am very happy I didn't. Well, and, I think uh, it's amazing that you're willing to share your story. Yeah. Absolutely. I do. Um, my most recent blood count was 15. Look at that. Look at that. Which is... Take that anemia. So it's Bible. validation that that was the right thing, right? It was. I time. feel like a new woman. And I know it's really cliche to say because like some people are like, you're going to mourn the loss of your uterus. And I was like, you're going to mourn the loss of Katie if yeah. I kept it much longer. And, um, for me, it was the best decision. And I really, everybody I've talked to about this has said to me, you, they know somebody that really struggles with a hard menstrual cycle and they don't know where to go to. And I know you've talked about Dr. Google before. When I looked on Dr. Google, is my period killing me? I only found one story. And I just wanted to share my story about it. Maybe, and I have gotten some feedback and just to put it out there and really try to take away the stigma from it. And I mean, I've read stories about how like, there are young girls that don't have access to feminine products, that they're using newspapers and cardboard and churches and homeless shelters can't keep tampons and pads in stock because they're needed so much. Yeah. Like, this shouldn't be a normal thing. This shouldn't be okay. Yeah, I remember there was a Seinfeld episode when they were, uh, uh, they were discontinuing the production of the sponge. And, and it was Elaine's contraceptive choice. Like, it was her premier choice for contraception. Sponge-worthy. Yeah, and she would have to determine if, a, if, a, if one of her uh, dates was sponge-worthy or not, because she couldn't get any more. She did have a new date every episode. That's true. Well, you know what? I think it's a beautiful thing that you're able to share your thoughts on your uterus. And, and you I... shared these thoughts somewhere. Did you share them? I did. Your... I wrote an article about it. It's on Medium, and I shared it on all my social networks where I wrote basically a 10,000-word, much, much more in-detailed piece about it. Uh, but I'm really happy that the doc and deacon asked me on to be able to give an abridged version and share it with them, especially the doc who was a part of it through yeah. some of it. You know who uh, did not uh, give me any permission to talk about her uterus was uh, my wife. But we're going to tell the story about the time <laughs> oh, man. where I saw my wife's uterus. Wow. Right? So, Did you sketch it? <laughs> I, did, I did not, but I draw a lot of uteruses, uteri. You draw me like one of your bra. French uteruses. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> we're having our second child, right? And at this point, the OBGYN delivering the babies by C via C-section is one of my buddies, right? Acquaintances. And so he, you know, makes the incision. He pulls out my wife's, uh, you know, insides. You know, he's, he's, the baby is out. Things are good. We hug, we kiss. I hand my wife the baby. Everything's going well. And he's like, hey, uh, come check this out. He's like, look, there's a little five right here. You want to uh, You want to pop it off here? And I was like, oh, yeah, hold on a sec. And he's like, yeah, yeah, you can get this off. And I was like, hey, babe, your fallopian tubes look lovely. And she's like, that's enough. Get, your, get back over here. Enough with my uterus. Enough with my fallopian tubes. We just had a baby. I can't take this anymore. And all I remember is walking back over, 
smiling one last time at her uterus hanging on top of her abdomen, hearing Adele in the background singing, Hello for me, the other side. So I went from one side with the uterus back to where my wife's head and the baby was. And then at that point, like Katie said, I said to Tanya, bye-bye, uterus. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, uterus. Bye-bye. I feel like that should be like an NSYNC song. Yeah. Bye-bye-bye-bye-bye. So... The uterus. I mean, is the uterus in the Bible a lot? No, the womb is in the Bible. You know, there's not mention specifically of the uterus, but, you know, the Bible talks a lot about, you know, being in the womb and and that God made us and he knows you in the womb. I mean, there's a story about when... Why did God make fibroids? (sighs) You know, God made the body and fibroids happen. Okay. Right? I mean, you know, the body is imperfect. He certainly could have made us all perfect beings if he had chosen to, but then we wouldn't appreciate uh, many things that we do appreciate. It'd be hard to appreciate life without fibroids if you'd never had a fibroid, right? To appreciate Katie's 3.6 by 2.7 by 3.5 centimeter fibroid. And it'd be hard to appreciate life with a 15 blood count if you've never had a five blood count, right? I guess I appreciate life and my blood count's never been five. Of course, but you don't know what it's like. I mean, for your blood count to be five and then to be It is. It, it was yeah. the, my quality of life was definitely um, not good. I remember um, the first time in the emergency room, they made me lay down flat and then get up. And I couldn't. I was dizzy. Mm. I, I couldn't do it. I can't do the get up either. And <laughs> It's a hard dance. I can do the uh, uh, Old Town Road. Mm-hmm. The get-ups, just like, it's difficult. And um, I went to Catholic school for eight years, and they always were like, say a good prayer, say a good prayer. And I really never understood what that meant. Like, I'm like, you want me to say a good prayer? But it's like, I mean, after this, like, the only prayer I feel that's fitting is just like a thank you, God. Yeah. Like, thank you for getting me through this. Um, and the people that he put in my path to really help me through it. I really did have tremendous support because getting a hysterectomy and I did get, um, they left my ovaries in. Everyone wants to ask me that. They're like, did they leave your ovary? Did they leave your ovaries in? So you literally do a vestrogen on the show. Yes. So nobody could say, actually, it. that doesn't count. Yep. Take I, that HIPAA, take, take that estrogen. That. Yeah. Um, the recovery was, it was hard. It was definitely hard. And um, I needed help getting in and out of bed. I was in pain. And they want you up and walking and moving as soon as possible. Yeah. And, um, you know, any woman that can go through that, it's, you know, you've got to be nice to yourself. And uh, there were some days that I wasn't making the progress I wanted to. And I was tired. I was tired for a couple months after. But um, here I am, without my uterus, ready to with, take on the world. <laughs> listen, still with prayers. I mean, you know, the Bible talks a lot. It, it, it talks about the womb, but it, it certainly talks a lot about prayer. And so I think that's an awesome way to, to, to make that line up, Katie. Okay. Well, I think we've learned a lot about the insides of Katie. And I think we've learned a lot about her struggle and how great she's doing now. And so I think... Uh, and that for women out there, you know, that, that it's uh, find somebody to talk to about this because there's nothing worth 
having pride about to lose, you know, being so stubborn. Because if you'd been too stubborn, you know, we're probably saying bye bye to Katie and we're telling a story about this girl we knew yep. whose uterus killed her. Instead, we've got a, a beautiful woman here telling us about how she, uh, she put her uterus down. Yeah, and yep. I would have put that in my obituary too. Yeah. It wouldn't have been one of these vague obituaries. Like, oh, she died peacefully. No, I'd be, it'd be like she died because her uterus killed her. And um, I don't want to see that for anyone. I mean, it's, um, you know, it's a fact of life for women. And um, you have access. If you have access to medical care, we're not going to get into that. But um, I know that Dr. Drum really took care of me. And, um, you know... I think it's time for us to it's, sing um, your uterus. It is. It's time to say bye-bye. Na, 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 na. Na, 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 na. Hey, goodbye. Na, 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 na. Na, 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 na. Hey, goodbye. Goodbye, uterus. Two things you can count on. The doc is in. And the deacon speaking. Thank you so much to Katie Kohler for sharing her story. Uh, Katie, where can people check you out at? Find me on Twitter at KKOHLER1129, or you could email me KKOHLER1129 at gmail.com. And um, take care of yourself. Take care of yourself. You can follow us on Twitter uh, at Doc Deacon. You can follow us on Instagram, Doc and the Deacon. Uh, you can follow us online, DocandTheDeacon.com. Uh, thank you so much, Tucker Butler, for producing this and to our boy franchise for the music. I can't wait to hear the rap recap uh, for Bye Bye Uterus. <laughs> Peace. Peace. Excellent brain trust to market and brand this. That's set in stone like the Ten Commandments. This show gonna be around for infinite years. I think we can all agree on ice cold beers. 100% authentic, you can't fake it. Often imitated, but never duplicated. So knowledgeable, take a lot of facts in. Now I'm coming to close it like a Roldis Chapman.